I wanted to play basketball next to Michael Jordan, but I wasn't John Paxson. You're listening to Vincenzo Landino on the Brand Boost Podcast, powered by Zoom. With me today is my dear friend, Mr. Dan Newman, who's now, I don't even know what you are anymore. Co- are you co-founder or CEO of V3B? Because you were, when, you know, when we first were talking and you and I first met, you were the man at Broadsuite, and now it's V3B, so I don't even know what your actual title is. Yeah, why don't I uh, give you a quick overview of who I am and what I do. It, it's good for the podcast anyway, so everybody kind of knows a little bit, right? Right, Vin? Uh, yes. Okay. So, yeah. So, I am the uh, president of V3 Broadsuite, the CEO of Broadsuite Media Group, and a partner in three other companies, two of which have been recently acquired, and I will be spilling a little bit more on later. But what we basically are is a family of companies across the marketing, media, research, and analysis space. And our focus really is the future of work, digital transformation, social business, and things that I guess sometimes I I create a little bit of stir around when I talk about, but things that actually make businesses money while focusing on the digital space. So I love all the platforms, but anyone that knows me knows I'm going to talk about how we make money. But otherwise, you know, in case anybody's interested, five books and a weekly contributor on Forbes and entrepreneur.com. And I appreciate you having me. Oh, listen, it's a pleasure. I'm glad we finally are getting a chance to do this. Um, So here's the thing. I knew all of this about you, right, for the most part, but it's easier for you to just kind of spill the beans because you know exactly what all of the things that are in the works with you. And honestly, I've seen your company grow like tenfold in the short time that I've known you. So kudos, man. Congratulations. You're actually doing something, which I think is beyond amazing because most people talk in, in the space and don't actually do. So I love the fact that you're doing, I love the fact that you're making things happen. And, um, you know, your comments oftentimes for anybody that doesn't follow Dan on social media anywhere, oftentimes Dan will interject with comments that are misconstrued as, well, he's a hater of new technology or he's a hater of these new uh, you know, platforms, but it's kind of the opposite, right? Yeah, I think the misconception is, you know, and obviously those of you that probably watch, watch Brian Fanzo know me because Brian and I have had a podcast together and a on-air Google Hangout that turned to a blab called Cloud Talk. And he and I are kind of, we're like the same age, a lot of similarities, tech backgrounds. Um, But he's got, you know, that real idealistic, uh, you know, real heartfelt approach, has a great way of connecting with people. And I do too, but I'm a little bit more of an introvert type. And, you know, the way my mind works is I have to process things. I have to see them work. So a great example has been the live streaming phenomenon and now the Snapchat phenomenon, where I basically, I know in my heart, there are going to be ways to make money from all these things. But I'm not willing to just start perpetuating that, especially because I believe I take care of businesses and it's my responsibility to not confuse people. So I love the the whole the grind and the hustle and the hard work that goes behind building a new a new audience on another platform. But in my heart, in my gut, I just feel accountable to my clients that I understand how to actually monetize stuff rather than just getting into a lot of the vanity metrics and the things that seem really great about every new platform that comes along. And you and I, I think, see a lot more eye to eye than we sometimes think we do, Um, which is crazy because 
people are like, oh, Dan is so hardcore one way and Vincenzo's the other way and Brian's the other way. And it's like, well, actually, we, we have quite quite possibly the same ideals. It's just they come out differently. But I know today we want to talk about we want to talk about hustle. Shocking. Yes. We're, shocking. We're talking about hustle after I just had Gary Vaynerchuk on the podcast. Actually, the fact that you had Gary V on the podcast inspired me to have this episode. It inspired a note from me and said, I want to talk to Vincenzo about this very topic. Um, so hustle. I, I want to hear it from you. What is uh, your yeah. definition about hustle or hard work or, or, you know, kind of the same question I asked Gary. That was the first question I, I opened up with Gary. I said, what is your definition of hustle and, and hard work? So let's take a step back and then we, I will answer this. I promise you, Vincenzo, but let's take a step back and talk a little bit about the whole thing behind Gary. Okay. People love Gary and he's a smart guy, super successful, has grown every business he's been a part of. He's really articulate. He's great in front of a room. His books are really fun reads and I'm not much of a reader. So the fact that I've read even parts of them says a lot. Um, it's not that I don't like to read. I'm just so busy writing them. I don't always have time to, to actually consume them. And the guy impresses the heck out of me. The problem is that the people who follow him kind of misconstrue his messages or they take pieces of his context and then they decide to run with it. So now everybody wants to be a famous keynote speaker on Periscope using Snapchat. And the problem is they're missing a big part of what Gary talks about, which is finding things that you're passionate about, but that you also have the potential to be really good at. And that's the thing is a lot of the people that, that hear his message and start getting really into different platforms are getting really into trying to grow their company's brands through a lot of these personal branding efforts are doing it and thinking they can be Gary Vee. And the thing is, there's only one of him and not everybody has the potential to wake up. So it's finding not only the passion to be an awesome social media person or an awesome thought leader, but it's also the potential and the knowledge and all the things that come in behind that. Because I wanted I wanted to play basketball next to Michael Jordan. I wanted to be, you know, his shooting guard um, or his point guard, I guess you'd say, but I wasn't John Paxson. And I know not everybody's old enough to understand that, but point is, it's okay to want something and it's okay to work really hard. And I could go shoot a thousand baskets a day, Vin, but that wasn't going to make me good enough to play in the NBA. Right. And, and, you know, here's the thing with Gary and, and I don't want to talk about, I don't want to make it another show about Gary after we just had Gary in the podcast, but <clears throat> people see all the glitter and they see that, you know, that's what they're looking at when, when you see Gary, which is why I really do admire and appreciate that Gary tries to, if you, if you see what he does on Snapchat, he says like, this is the real entrepreneur life. Like this is the, this is the hustle. Like this is the grind. I'm not going to show you the Lamborghinis and I'm not going to show you the, uh, you know, the Rolexes. I'm not, I'm not showing you that, which is what a lot of people are fascinated by. I'm, I'm going to show you the grind, the, the missed flights. I'm going to show you the, the waiting at the airport and I'm going to show you recording podcasts and doing daily. V like, I think that's really important for people to see, but it seems like people still miss the message, right? Like they still just don't get it or they don't want to get it. And I'm wondering where the disconnect is. Why do people refuse to see that it takes hard work to get to a point where someone like Gary or even like yourself is where where's this disconnection coming from yeah you know i think the disconnect really starts because they didn't see what happened between zero and, and arrival 
wherever they are, wherever he is. Right. And let's, you know, like you said, let's step away. Let's just talk about the guy that's building his first hundred thousand dollars in business or his first half a million dollars in business or the gal that's building their first three quarter million dollar company. Right. There was a time when a decision was made and often it's a really tough decision to go out on your own. In fact, you've been through this, right, Vin? Uh, yeah. And there was that, that very early days, right? And, and you see that it's kind of like that squiggly line of up and down that is the life of an entrepreneur. You get a sale, you lose a customer, you get a customer that doesn't go well, you, you lose that customer, you find another one, you're doing everything you can because you're trying to promote your brand, but you're also trying to keep your customers happy. You know, and I, and I, I probably, if you try to listen to that in one thought, it sounds like a yo-yo, right? But that's really what the early age of an, of a entrepreneur looks like. And now everyone's path's different, but one thing I can tell you for sure, Vincenzo, is it's not linear, right? It, it's not like you start and then all of a sudden in three years you've gone here, there's going to be those, there's going to be those ups and there's going to be those downs. And I think a lot of people just hear the ups. They just see the ups. Like you hit, they just, I, well, here's the thing. They don't just see the ups. They only focus, like the mind sees, or the, you know, we see what we want to see, or we hear what we want to hear. Right. Like, isn't that and that's something my father taught me since I was little. Like, you only hear what you want to hear. You only see what you want to see. It, do you think there's that, I don't know, I don't want to call it an epidemic, but do you think that that's what's permeating, like, the mind of people is that, well, I want to see the Lamborghinis, and I want to see the Learjets, and I want to see the world travel and the Rolexes and the pretty girls and the, you know, that's what I want to see. That's the only thing I care about. So that's what they only focus on. They're not really looking at the rest of it. So, so my dad always said something to me too, and he said, "Perception is reality." Yeah, my and father he said, said the exact same yeah, thing. So I don't know that necessarily. I think our dad's probably all boomer. We're all children of, of yeah. the boomers, and they all kind of have the same. I always tell him, you know, his material is not original, but he likes to believe it is. Yeah. Um, but the 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 thing is, is my dad was an entrepreneur. He owned a trucking company, and and if you've read some of the stuff I've written, I've actually talked about him before because I actually grew up in a house with an entrepreneur that worked. There was no digital internet. There was really no stay at home, right? He was up at 6 a.m. Uh, he owned a trucking company. He would drive the trucks. He could fix the trucks. He could service, you know, uh, he understood accounts payable and receivables and accounting and finance and sales. He did it all. And I mean, it wasn't a small company. It wasn't a huge company, right? But it was a. It was in trucking and transportation and warehousing, and um, I witnessed it. You know, I witnessed it growing up, and it's funny because I still remember to this day, uh, Enzo, when I was in the backseat of my dad's car, and I was like 16 years old, and I, I said to my dad, "I said, Dad, I don't want to work hard like you when you when I grow up." <laughs> Um, you know, because I saw what he was doing. He was missing, you know, sporting games and he wouldn't be around in the morning. I never saw him. And it's a different world now, right? Because there's so much more flexibility and technology has changed everything. But I think being connected has also made our work 24 seven. So I don't necessarily think the fact that we can work from a home office or, or work remotely all the time means we don't work hard or work more or work less. But I think what I, what the opportunity I had was to witness what, hustle looked like in the age when it wasn't so glorified. Meaning that, you know, my dad was a high school graduate, didn't go to college, didn't have the opportunity because he didn't come from a wealthy family, uh, you know, started a trucking company with one truck and grew it to be, you know, a sizable company and actually sold his company to uh, David Murdoch's company, Rupert Murdoch's brother, uh -huh. his company. Um, yeah, no, one of his companies. I mean, I'm, I'm sure to David, he probably didn't even know he, he bought it, but it was actually Castle and Cook was the company that acquired it, and that's owned by David Murdoch. So it, it's, um, it was a really interesting 
opportunity though, to, to be a part of a family of entrepreneurs that way. And, you know, I started my career and for the first 10 years I hustled, right. I, you know, my backstory is kind of interesting because I had my first kid, I was only, you know, 20 years old. And so I finished college. I went to grad school. I worked my ass off. I had a full-time job while going to school. So I kind of feel like I understand what the hard work side of it is because that was mostly hard work. But for me, the hustle is really what's kind of been coming in the last few years when I've stopped working so hard and started getting a little bit smarter. I figured out what I was good at. I figured out the parts that I'm best at. And then, you know, you kind of joked about how I was the man and now I'm part of something. Well, I've brought in partners. I've brought in partners. I've brought in employees. That was not a slight on you for the record. That was no no. slight on you. Not at all. But the, the, the thing about it is, is that I realized what I was good at. I realized that... I'm good at the customer side. I'm good at the speaking and the writing and the storytelling side, but I wasn't great at the operating side. I needed to find people to help me do that. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about your new book too. It just I'm saying that out loud so that we both remember that that's kind of something I want to talk about. Yeah, of course. Now, you, we also want to talk about just like, I know we've talked a little bit about the misperception of it, of, of this, this hustle and um, just working your ass off till your eyes fall out. And, and you know, how, let's talk a little bit about that aspect of it. Also, again, I don't want to go back to the Gary Vee thing, but is there, a, is there a point where you're just working just to work or you're creating this work and you're exhausted? There was a video I saw recently and it was kind of poking fun at millennials. And of course, I'm talking to Mr. Millennial CEO who wrote the book on it, literally on, on Millennial CEO. Um, there, it, it was a, it was a parody of how millennials, you know, oh, they're, they're working, they're, they're in their coffee shop and they're in their yoga pants and they're, it was just something, it was pretty funny. I, I think you saw it. I'm not sure if you did, maybe you didn't. Um, but is there a difference between hard work, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago and hard work now? Like, do we, is there a perceived difference or do people just... Well, I think there's definitely a perceived difference. And, and what know, is the difference if there is a difference? And, and here's the thing too, Vin, is a lot of people want to to make jokes kind of about the, you know, oh, everyone wants to be millennial this, millennial that, and they're putting in all their writing and, and, and people are saying, you know, can we just cut the crap? And it's all about mindset. And, you know, I know Brian talks about mindset. And I do believe older people can think more like a millennial. And, but there's a reason people set up demographics. There is a reason, even stereotypes, there are a reason they exist. It doesn't mean that every person fits a stereotype. It just means that they don't come out of nowhere, right? It's science. It's the science behind uh, when a group of people all perceive something the same way, right? right? And the thing about hard work is back in the day, hard work was about getting up and grinding. It literally was getting up and grinding. It was, I'm up at 5 a.m. I'm out in a field, right? I'm uh, you know, building a house. I'm, you know, uh, constructing, you know, uh, I'm loading up trucks. I'm, you know, working on the printing press. I mean, it is crazy, but that's what it really kind of was. And today, I think what, what's happened is we've entered this information economy. So we've had all these general, right? We've had all these various industrial rev- revolutions and we're in this one where it's information now, you know, the CEO of uh, IBM, Jeannie Rometty said, you know, that uh, oil is the next, uh, you know, or, or data is the next, you know, oil. Data is oil today, mm-hmm. right? And what she's really talking about, though, is that information is our next, uh, it's our most abundant yet scarcest resource. 
And if I can put that into some context, it's that yeah, we have so much information, Vin, that we don't actually know anymore how to process it and what information is good and what is bad. And the point is it takes a lot of work to actually become uh, knowledgeable in anything anymore on our own. And so we've, we've kind of come this day where it's all about accessibility to information. And so I've kind of skirted around the question a little bit, but the, the long and the short of it is, is that it's not only that hard work is perceived differently and is different now, but it's also that hard work doesn't get you anywhere like it used to. You, you're very limited at what your potential is if it's just about hard work. And that's why I think I'm really trying to, you know, I'm not trying to jump on Gary's bandwagon because it's his own message. But what I'm trying to do is if I want to help people, right, and if we want to, people to listen to what we have to say, I'm just trying to get them to think about that second consideration is you can get up at 5 a.m. and you can work till midnight, but you'll never be Gary. But if right. you get up at 5 a.m. and work on something that you're good at, and put that energy and passion into that, meaning that you may not be good at public speaking and you can work really hard at that, but chances are you'll never be driving $100,000 for one speech, okay? Mm -hmm. But what you may be really good at is providing service to people or what you may be really good at is helping people run their finances. And if you put all your energy into that, you could build a great business there. What I found, and I mean, I've been... Um... I've, kind of, I've been in this as well, so I, I can speak from experience, is that when I am, like, when I don't know what I'm doing or, like, I haven't sat down and tried to focus, right, I, I this is when I was younger, I've, I've since focused a lot more, but when I was younger, I, I'd, I'd be like, oh, I'm working so hard, and I was just working hard and just spinning my wheels doing nothing, and I, and I don't know. I don't know if I see it more amongst my peers than I have in previous generations. Obviously, I didn't grow up in other generations. I can only look at like, you know, my father, my uncle who came to, you know, came here from the, to this country, worked hard, built businesses, et cetera, et cetera. And so they were focused right from day one. But then I look at, you know, like you said, with all this data, we have all this technology, we have all these things. And does it, does the technology and the data and all of that kind of maybe not even kind of, does that make us lose focus and kind of like, well, I want to do this and this is what's shiny today. And then let me go do that. And, I, and you're never focused. So you're never really working hard at anything because you only give, you only, you don't give enough effort into one thing. You don't put, you don't cultivate, you know, my father's business, much like your father's business. He's been in 35 years. Well, I'm pretty sure that after 35 years, I can say he, you know, he's, he's an expert in as a contractor, right? after 35 years, every day, grinding day in, day out. Well, nowadays, and listen, I'm at fault for this too. We, we work somewhere. We give it, we give it a couple. I mean, so, look at this. I mean, you and I both know people that have had jobs that were gone, that left, that were yep. fired, whatever it may have been after like three months and they move on to another thing. And now they're talking and, and that happens so much. It's not just one or two people. They're just jumping around and no one ever finds their direction. And in turn, without finding the direction, they just spin their wheels, but they say they're working hard. And it's like, okay, after 20 years go by, like, oh, I worked so hard for 20 years. Well, yeah, what the hell did you do? And nothing to show for it. Right. And that's why, I, you know, I, I, I don't even know exactly what point I was trying to make there, but <laughs> I guess what I was looking at is that's why I give you a lot of credit is because you are focused. You are going in one single direction. 
while understanding everything else that's going on, but not necessarily giving public attention to it. And that's why, you know, you keep moving on the up and up. Well, let's talk about that a little bit, because you actually brought up a really good point there. Ben, and that's it's the requirement for constant public adoration in the face of growing a business. I really do believe you can kind of do one or the other. And you and I have had offline conversations about this a lot, but you can either be really good at building your personal brand or you can be really good at building your company. Most people don't do both unless their company is personal branding. Okay. Meaning their company is a hundred percent like in their own name. So in order to scale and build operations, you need to actually be running the back office, monitoring, you know, your cost centers, uh, spending time in front of your customers, making them feel like they're more important than you. You know, in a, in a highly visible age that we live in, right, if a customer feels like you're spending more time building your own brand and working for yourself, I think they're going to grow to resent that pretty quickly. I, I think no matter even how much we want to believe that's not the case, I think they will. And so it's a really fine line. And it's also, hey, if I put another hour into making my customers feel great, what's the return on that? Versus if I take another hour and spend, you know, on a Periscope or making a long, drawn out Snapchat story. I'm not saying one's good and one's bad. I'm just saying what's, you know, that's where you ask about returns. You know, we talk about opportunity costs. It's like you only have so many hours in the day. You can only do so many things. So, you know, a lot of times people, you know, they want to say, oh, you can do this and employee advocacy that and blah, blah, blah. Right. But the thing about it is, is that. In the end, it really comes down to what is your purpose? What is your goal? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to drive? If you're trying to build a company, you got to make it about your customers. The entire age of digital is about customer and customer experiences. If it's a, if you are the business, then you're going to have to make it about yourself because we're in an age where there's so many people trying to say that their story is unique. It's hard to filter it out. So the only thing you can do is, is hopefully keep telling it in a way that's unique and compelling right. that isn't the same as what everyone else is saying. Um, do you think that, and I think you kind of said that, but do you find, or, or, or do you find that more often? I mean, like you obviously hire people, right? Do you find that a lot of people really just have no clue what on earth? I mean, like you've bought businesses too. So that when you buy businesses, do you find that they have very little direction overall, um, either from the top or just oh, their entire kind of their entire business like has no clue what they're doing because they've never focused in on anything. Um, you know what I would say to that is I think that every, when you buy a business, it's very quick to tell if what they're good at, meaning that we've bought businesses. Why is that? Because like, if my dad was to buy another electrical contracting business, he knows that he should know that they're good at being electricians, right? Like your father, if he was to merge with another trucking company, he's going to, but a lot lot of times you got to remember there's things every, every company's kind of good at like some, and that's where you got to find sometimes you buy the company. It's not going to be come down to the one person or the entrepreneur. It's going to come down to the whole team. Of course. Right. But a lot of times companies are sort of either really good at sales or really good at operations. And it's not always Fair both. Enough. And, and uh, what makes companies drive to the next level, and again, this is why I sacrificed. It wasn't a sacrifice. It was a strategic decision, though, to have less equity in something much bigger. I'm five times bigger than I was when I made the decision to merge my company with Shelly. 
Mm-hmm. And we've added more partners, bought more companies. You know, it's it's been risk mitigation. But guess what? I can now spend a lot more of my time focused on what I'm best at. And that's going out and building relationships with these tech companies and brands. And also, I'm you know, I've always been very good at kind of the vision side of things, like seeing where it's going and having time to explore. Like the fact that we were able to buy uh, the marketing scope or that we bought uh, Sidera Works, um, which we haven't even formally announced yet. So there'll be more on that soon. Look at that. Um, or that new, we're launching new news on yes, the uh, podcast. News on the brand boost. And, and some of you might know Matt Ridings, but he's a really smart guy and it's in the social business space. We um, are in the process of launching a new uh, research and analysis firm to focus on the premium digital tra- uh, premium research on digital transformation, innovation, disruption, so that we can actually offer from the top to the bottom everything from you know your influencer and live content all the way up to you know offering um, premium research on topics like transformation. And this is really important. And I'm looking at the whole spectrum of what's going on, and I'm saying we need to be able to fulfill the whole mix, the marketing mix, the media mix, right? Um, the research mix so that we can offer value to a company like SAP, HP, IBM, Dell, all these companies that we've worked with, they need a more comprehensive set of services. At least that's my belief. And by partnering correctly and by, again, it's really the right hustle. It comes back to the right hustle. It's by putting my hustle into what I'm good at and then making sure I have people that can help me with the stuff I'm not I'm putting all my energy into where I'm strongest and the company is growing, you know, at an exponential rate because of that. And this leads perfectly into the book that just came out. Congratulations again. This is your fifth book. Yes. Fifth book. Um, It's co-written you, uh, Dan Newman and Olivier Blanchard. Yes, Um, Correct. It is co-written and building dragons, digital, digital transformation in the experience economy. Uh, one thing that I really, really enjoy about this is that, uh, unlike unicorns, right, which are risky dragons, you say are established companies that continue to leverage their original startup mentality to systematically innovate their way to profitability. Um, that's now maybe, I don't know, to me that struck kind of accord with me, right? Because here we are, we always talk about unicorns and that's always the the trendy and this fits right in with our conversation here today. Unicorns are trendy. They hit the billion dollar mark. They're unicorns. They're, you know, these valuations, right? They hit these billion dollars. But then you actually have the business that are actually doing good shit and they're actually making things happen. They're around for a long time. They're establishing themselves, but they've never lost that startup mentality. And they're yeah. just very profitable. So tell me a little more about uh, Building Dragons. Tell us, tell the audience a little bit about the book. And, and, um, and then we'll, we will drop links into the show notes for you guys to um, purchase the book. I think it's on uh, Amazon right now for 10 bucks paperback. Uh, if you have I, Prime, you can have it in two days. So uh, It's on sale for a little while, but uh, it will be as uh, regularly as $19.95. So Perfect. let me tell you where this all started. So actually, the book was originally called Digital Transformation in the Experience Economy. And... The whole concept of it was bringing those two things together, digital transformation and experiences. Some of you may have read The X by Brian Solis, and it's a, it's a great book. Uh, he's, it's super cool, the whole way he did it and laid it out. Um, we wanted to create a practical approach for people to, first of all, understand digital transformation and then understand sort of this hierarchy of, of human consumption. And basically, there's a new layer. And what I mean by that is it started out, you know, there's always been commodities, things you have to buy that people will buy, and it's all price driven, right? And then there's this hierarchy, and it goes commodities, products, services, 
But there's this new layer that's been put on top and it's not really new. It's just becoming more visible to people. And that's experiences is that it's whether the way you walk into your Starbucks coffee and why people spend time there, even though I think the coffee is terrible, the stores always have such a great ambiance to them. It's it's Disney, right? It's, you know, they have a great story about how they've measured every garbage can location to make sure there's a minimal amount of dirt in the parks, you know, or litter in the parks. It's the way you go to a, a website for a company uh, and they create a seamless experience between your digital and retail. You know, they call that omni-channel. I think of companies like Target that have done that, right? Where whether you're shopping on their online site or you're going into their stores, it just feels very, very consistent, okay, across the board. And so it kind of started off with wanting to talk about that. And then what ended up happening is Olivia and I stumbled across this concept of the dragon. And what I've said for a long time, and this kind of goes back to the heart of what we've talked about the whole time, is that sure, there are Ubers and Facebooks and these rare cases where a product gets so much rapid user adoption Mm -hmm. that it grows into a billion dollar plus valuation long before it's even been monetized, right? And we've seen that as a good with the Ubers and the and the Facebooks, and we've seen it as the bad with our, you know, like our good friends at Twitter, right? Who are stumbling to try to figure out how to keep making money. Uh, Zenefits, you know, the companies that can't, uh, they grow too fast and they can't actually manage their own human resources in the human resources space. And so what I was kind of trying to do is say, what? how does a company that's, you know, a local chain of restaurants, a series of uh, retailers, a... A uh, small services provider in the IT space build a company that has massive power for scale and growth in the age of digital, but not necessarily because they're a unicorn, but because they do things right. They understand the role of digital, of social, of mobile, of big data, cloud. They're looking at Internet of Things, virtual reality, AR, all the all these different tech trends, and then they're also coupling it to understand the layer. So when I get up in front of a room, Vin. I'll always talk about digital transformation. I'll say, okay, digital, tell me every word that comes to your mind, right? And people will start sputtering, right? (laughs) Mobile, data, tech, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll say, okay, transformation. And then they'll go, change, people. And then I go, as it starts to all the words come out, Vin, what do you think the conclusion comes down to? That they're one and the same. Yeah, it's that tech plus people is the only way things transform. And I actually would challenge that people have to come first. So if you sat down and read the book, you'll realize like the first 10 chapters of the book, we don't even start digging into tech. We really dig into the fact that you have to build a culture. Well, and you, and you do, you, you bring out the point that, you know, the role that um, leadership is playing in driving the culture, the change, but also how to teach your organization to adapt to change and evolve faster. Right? Yeah. So you're exactly right. So what happens is you know, there's kind of like these three phases of disruption that everybody has to deal with in business. And every business is being disrupted. It's There's layers of disruption. So it's in some cases you're being disrupted where it's like fatal, right? It's like put you out of business. It's blockbuster type disruption, right? And then there's disruption that's like, oh, it's an inconvenience. It's going to make us have to change. It's going to make us have to take on and do things differently. It's going to make us do that scary uh, new thing called not the same way we did it before. And both of them are disruptive and both of them are problematic. But the first thing you have to recognize is one, that you you actually, that change is coming. It's actually just the recognition of it. And a lot of businesses don't see it. I mean, you think of a lot of small companies and they are not doing anything about disruption or transformation. They're just kind of 
slowly maybe glomming on to, oh, we need to be on Facebook. Oh, wow. You know, you figure that out, right? But yeah. you do it because you've worked with some very small businesses. You've seen it yourself. And oh, you, th- you think it's crazy, yeah. but they're like, do I need, really need to be on? Yes, you really do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there's that second iteration where you actually finally say, okay, I accept that I need to change and I'm going to start doing it. Um, but the third is the hardest. It's actually coming up with a strategy and, and executing change in your business. And these three phases, which seem pretty simplistic, are very hard for most companies. But most companies that want to survive, because I've basically the graphic and, you know, you can just picture this, right? You put me on stage and I'm going to show you a graphic that had survival of the fittest. Everyone knows Darwinism. Well, survival of the fittest is dead. It's no longer about being the fittest because Blockbuster was the fittest. Kodak was the fittest. There was a lot of very fit companies that are dead today. It's survival of the most adaptable. It's the company that's able to shed its skin and change the fastest. If you look in it in mythology, right? And you look in history, people forever have tried to slay the dragon. Nobody ever slays the dragon. Well, I hope that's not the case in Game of Thrones as well. I hope no one does, I hope no one slays the dragon in Game of Thrones. Like I, I, I hope that they. Oh, you don't watch Game of Thrones, right? I don't, but you can go ahead with the analogy because I'm sure a lot of people out there would enjoy it. Uh, no, nothing. So there's you know the dragons right now are locked up, and and I and Khaleesi, which is also the name of my dog, she is one of the characters, and I think she's going to use the dragons to take over the, the Iron Throne, but. It's just funny how you say that, that no one can kill the dragons. They are like this, this creature that is just so powerful and, and it's like nobody can stop them. It doesn't matter. So it's I, never, it's never been properly done. Let's just put it that way. It's never, um, I think Beowulf killed the dragon, didn't he? It, 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 I don't even know. They always that rise. Like, that was like, dragon, you know, the dragon rises from, you know, from the, the Phoenix rises, right? It's the, it, it's just, it's a little bit, um, like I said, mythical. And, you know, when we actually came up with the title, Vin, it's kind of funny, but we were a little nervous about how it would be received. But we knew I love that it. in the age of experiences, right? How do you write a book about experiences that doesn't tell a story? Mm-hmm. It was just practical. So what we wanted to do is make sure that we layered in an experience in our own book. And the thing is about it is everybody understands the unicorn, but what most businesses actually want to be is a dragon. And that's kind of what we're trying to tell you is don't try to be a unicorn. That might happen and it'll be an accident. But if you follow what we're saying, if you actually invest in people and technology in the proper, um, you know, I guess they'd say the proper doses of each, proper serving sizes, mm-hmm. the chances are you can build something very strong and very successful. And there's two kinds of dragons. And just so everyone knows, but there's what's called like a changeling dragon and there's a seedling dragon. And the changeling dragon is the one that constant is a company that actually grows and evolves, but it's all within it under its own umbrella, right? So like IBM, it's shed its skin, it changes, it sheds its skin, it changes. And, you know, they're not perfect, but they've survived some pretty hard transitions. But then there's the seedlings, which is like the alphabets, right? That they actually build separate companies and actually start investing in their own. They, they're like a parent company that's constantly investing and smattering into different businesses. And that's done, you know, of course, Alphabet, but that's even how I'm doing it. So every company that I launch is in its own. It's like I'm seeding it from a different company. I'm investing, seeding, growing based on the successes of companies I already have. And it's that continued uh, desire to change and to have new things that will be successful so that even in the event that what's making me money now was to ever go away, I'm always 
funneling and hedging and growing and trying, um, which is, I think, a, a great plan and a great, a great thing for smaller entrepreneurs is to always be looking at being great at what they do, but always keeping their eye out for new opportunities. Last question. Can all unicorns be dragons or all dragons or, and will all dragons turn into unicorns? Interesting question. See, will all dragons become you. unicorns or will all unicorns become dragons. Is that what you're asking me? Are, are all unicorns dragons and no. can all dragons become, become unicorns? unicorns? I think, I think the latter is a possibility. I think the former is absolutely not the case. I think the problem with most unicorns is that they're not dragons. And what I mean by that is because in the rare case, so like Facebook's become kind of a dragon. Facebook's become the dragon. Okay. Yeah. See, all right. right. So no, what no, I'm that's, is that's a good, I like there's that. There's a rare case where someone can start out as a pure unicorn and become the dragon. You know, like Ubers and Airbnbs, I think are still kind of TBD. There's so much regulation and governance that hasn't even come down on those companies yet to see how they survive when that's all done. Um, but a lot of times, you know, the unicorn type companies like Salesforce, for instance, right? I would call them kind of a unicorn at this point, but they really are a dragon. Mm-hmm. They really were a company that kind of just built and built and built and built and did things the right way. They, you know, even LinkedIn, you know, and that I don't like that site a lot, but to their credit, they monetized very early. Yeah. I mean, they were they were definitely one of the first. And they understood their audience. Actually, yeah. Monetize. They understood how to make money from their audience. Mm-hmm. And they built a business that was very sustainable. And I don't know that it'll be sustainable forever, but they definitely were more in the mold of a of a dragon than a unicorn. So, you know, I think we've come to the age where it's going to be harder and harder, though, to be this billion dollar company without any proof. Um, There's only I mean, if I could see the writing on the wall, I would be doing something a lot better than I'm doing now. But my feeling is, you know, developments happen so quick and change happens so quick. I mean, just look at, you know, Vincat, right? I mean, Meerkat one year ago was like the center of your universe and today it's gone. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay with that, but it's, it's, you know, uh, I get what you're saying. There is a lot of change and, um, oftentimes it's change that people or businesses that have gone all in on, you know, that technology or that one company. Now they find themselves grasping at straws because they've got no clue how to, to actually build a business. That was their business model, right? It was built on one platform. It was built on one app or uh, consulting for one specific uh, function, and now they can't do that. So building dragons, uh, digital transformation in the experience economy. If uh, if you guys see the link, make sure you buy. Uh, Dan, it'll be what, $9.99 for how, long, how much longer? Um, I probably need to leave it probably for about another week, so I don't know when exactly so this go. will we'll... be published, but um, it's at buildingdragons.com. So we Buildingdragons.com, I will... Pop the links into the show notes if you want to learn how not only to adapt to disruption, but turn it into a profitable business model. This is the book for you. Dan Newman has worked with businesses and brands like SAP, HP, IBM, and he continues to do so on a daily basis. You have a big project coming up next week with SAP down in Orlando. Um, I know that's going to be huge for you, but... If you want insights from somebody doing it and not just a talking head, 
Dan Newman uh, is the guy to listen to. Make sure you get the book, Building Dragons. Daniel, it's about damn time that we've done this. I'm happy to have gotten you on the show. Let the reader, readers, let the listeners find out where they can uh, discover you online. No, that's great. And thanks for the opportunity to do that. So yeah, the the buildingdragons.com site is definitely the site for the book, but you can check out my company at broadsuite, B-R-O-A-D-S-U-I-T-E.com. We've got v3b.com, which is our agency. And I can be followed on the Twitters or Snapchat, if you like that, because I'm a oh, snapper. Look at this, a Snapchatter. I am a Snapchatter. I like to harass you there daily, buddy. Um, at yep. Daniel Newman UV. Daniel Newman and then UV like the uh, like the rays from the sun. And there's a whole backstory to that. And people always ask why I have the longest Twitter handle ever. But just know there was a purpose. Um, and I really appreciate it. I look forward to connecting with this audience, Vin. I think you've done a great job with the podcast. I'm honored to be a part of it. Thank you. And as soon as I read the finish reading the whole book, I will. Uh, I, I think I want to get you back on here and, and maybe we can dissect some of uh some of the deeper points in there. I know there's a couple things that I'd love to talk to you about and we can go in deeper on a specific podcast episode about that. Sound good? Yeah, that'd be awesome. And I really do appreciate it. And we'll have to return the favor, circle you back. And yeah, if you guys uh, have a chat chance and you see it right here, make sure you follow SAP Small Business on the Facebook and watch what we're doing to disrupt the way brands are telling stories on Facebook, which I know you're a believer in. I am. I love it. And I love what you're doing, which is why you are on the show, my friend. I love it, buddy. Well, thank you so much. And uh, let me know when this bad, bad boy goes live and I'll be uh, promoting it out to the world because it's always fun to sit down and have a conversation with the original Vincenzo Landino, a.k.a. Vincat, which I put on my Snapchat story, by the way. On that note, Mr. Dan Newman, I will talk to you soon. For everybody else, I'll see you tomorrow. Ciao. This has been a VincenzoLandino.com production. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the Brand Boost podcast, please give us a rating, write a review, or subscribe. Head on over to BrandBoostCast.com forward slash subscribe.